0: the top players and legends,
1: to the very best analysts around the world, from wherever the beautiful game is played, this is BTP. Now, we're talking football. Yes, hello folks, welcome to the weekly Matches Network show, I'm Brent on the Pitch, and as always, Phil Bram, and I join with my regular co-host, the fantastic comic Fun. as I say every week. Get yourself over to Football CFB, check out this young man's podcast. Uh, one of the best free podcasts out there, uh, fantastic content and uh, always a privilege to do a show with him. Callum, how are you doing, mate?
0: Not bad, Phil, not bad. Um, obviously, we're speaking now on Monday as we, as we always do and, mm-hmm. and I'm glad we're speaking on Monday because if we were speaking on Saturday, yeah. <laughs> I would have found it hard to, to put my emotions into to words that were <laughs> broadcastable because I was yeah. feeling quite frustrated but time's a great healer and I'm looking forward to the show as always with
1: you one of the things that I've tried to be better about <clears throat> is not posting angry on social media and so one of the things I've, I've done this uh, where I've said I'm just going to log off I'm so angry I'm so disappointed I'm just going to log off because I'm going to say things that I'm going to look back on and think that's harsh and something that gets pulled up two years later you know by somebody who's not taking the moment into context and you know, of course, you get eviscerated on certain tweets. And also, I think there comes a responsibility with people where you need to think clearly and and put, wait until you're in a an emotional state where you can say things that are, are actually relevant rather than speaking with anger. After that Everton goal went in, <clears throat> I was so angry I couldn't speak. I was furious. I was livid. And it ruins my day. I mean, it really does... And you're sitting there at 94 minutes. The hairs got that ball. It's clear that you're going. It's game over. It's won. I actually is halfway through a tweet writing about Jesus United never do anything easy, but thankfully they've won. And then they give a goal away. Callum, we'll start on the negative that we've seen United you know, give away too many times. That ball comes across the box. They don't deal with it, and they've got Everton. They've got a free kick. They've got the goalkeeper up coming up forward. Right. All the odds are stacked in United's favor. All they've got to do is one thing: defend the free kick, get it out of there, whatever. The law of averages says one in ten ends up in a goal, so you've got nine out of ten chances to get that uh, to get that ball cleared. And you you look at your defenders and you want them organized. You want someone taking control and you want someone to say, look, all we've got to do is get our bodies in the way of this ball. Do not do anything stupid. Don't give anything away. Deal with it. But well, you know what it like to me. I don't want to be overly critical here, but it looked like to me that there was a number of players in that United defence that pushed the responsibility onto someone else to deal with it. And that's one of the things that bothered me the most, was that don't be running around after the fact with your hand and you're screaming for a free kick and hoping the referee builds you out. What I saw, and I've seen this before, in in United's defence, I didn't see defenders taking control. I didn't see players saying, you know what, we're going to make sure we deal with this. I saw a player saying, "I don't really fancy it. Maybe, maybe he can clear it. Maybe someone else can clear it." And of course, the ball comes across the box. Calvin Lewitt wanted that ball more than any of United players, and he and he got it and scored. And it was so frustrating because we've seen United do this so many times where they give away a stupid goal, and they and look, a lot of people are going to point to that because okay, United scored three goals, but Tom in that game too and it, it really shouldn't go unnoticed, how many times you it are in the final third, great opportunities, and they pick the wrong pass. They shoot when they should pass. They pick the wrong pass when they should shoot. And so many times you're going... So, you know, I love Riceford. I think he's a great player, right? And, I, and I, I think that there's one thing missing in this game. We say this so many times in this podcast. He's got to lift his head. He's got to watch what he's doing. Sometimes he just barrels down doesn't look... And how many times is Cavani screaming for the pass, screaming for the ball, where he picks the difficult option out? And I said this with about 15 minutes to go. I said, if United don't win this game, they only have themselves to blame. They had so many chances, so many opportunities in the final third to kill that game. It's So many times they are wasteful in the final third. With, and, and that's the one thing where I say, this is where I feel like United still need another attacking player. Maybe like a Jadon Sancho where you're saying, Someone that is a bit more clinical. And I looked at City against Liverpool, and I looked at Phil Foden, and I looked at the way City were in the final third and how clinical they were, and and, and the decision making and and how direct they were. That's where I feel like maybe if there's a Jaden sense with that capability, that being that it is direct, that it can score goals, that also knows when to pass. I think that um, that is something that you need to really have to take into consideration.
0: I agree with you. I think that that cutting edge, that direct level of play something that all teams at the, the very top level who have been successful in the last couple of years have had you think of Pep's initial Manchester City team when he had Leroy Sani who was another player who was very direct at breaking those lines Raheem Sterling another you mentioned Phil Foden that's something that ultimately would add to United we've talked in the show about priority positions and we've talked about a centre half we've talked about a holding midfielder but ultimately A natural out-and-out right-sided player would be fantastic. I know the Allos doing incredibly well for under-23s. But as you've said, um, and I've said, under-23 football, going from there to the Premier League is a big jump. So that's something that certainly has to be addressed. In light of the the Calvert-Lewin goal, and and I hate to get in the the dreaded déjà vu time machine, but it it just brought back horrible memories of the the 4-4 game with Everton under... Under Sir Alex, but um, mm. it's just it's a nightmare um, when you consider how how United were dominant in the first half, and you thought, "Wow, Fernandez scores a goal." People are likening it to Eric Cantona. Everyone's feeling <sighs> confident. The second half was 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 touchy. You think how on earth have Everton get back into this game so quickly? But United, as they did against Liverpool in the cup, get back in front, and you think to yourself, right, mentally they're showing. A bit of toughness. They've got through it. They'll see this game out. But, again, just like Sheffield United, unfortunately, in recent weeks, defensively, when you're on a pressure moment and you need either a Mm -hmm. centre-half or a goalkeeper to come out, clear the ball, clear the player, clear everything United are lacking. And as you said, Calvert-Lewin was putting himself into that position. He was going to hit that ball. And if it meant that he got clattered, he was taking it. He was taking that clattering. Whereas the hair and those around them just looked a bit touchy as if they're throwing myself in? and they're not. And as you know, Phil, you've watched Premier League football a lot longer than I have. Um, if you don't go into a challenge that, uh, with full commitment in the Premier League, or there's a shred of doubt in the final third uh, or, or the back third, then you're going to be punished. And unfortunately for United, they were punished. One of the things I would say about the, the added on time, <laughs> they played over the four minutes. Mm. Am I going to use that as an excuse? No, I'm not. But it's just something that, that obviously I'm putting out there as well. That it's strange that the game continued for as long as it did. But <laughs> Everton took their chance, and unfortunately, we're we're talking about United again, being very good in spells. But mm-hmm. again. Being quite naive in spells defensively, as we talked about in recent weeks, and and, and and to win titles you can't be naive defensively at all.
1: One of the things that concerns me, and we've said this before, <clears throat> is United's ability to respond to pressure, and how do they deal with pressure moments? Is this a team? And Roy Keane said something two weeks ago, and I, I I it keeps coming back to me where he says United look afraid. They look like they got in this position and they look afraid to go win the title, where they feel like. We know we're not really convinced by ourselves yet. When you look at the Sheffield United game, I'm I'm actually still not over that. It still bothers me beyond belief. Right? Um, that bothers me more than the Everton game <clears throat> because when you look at Everton, the second half, you know, start that second half so poorly. They throw away a two-goal lead immediately, right? Letting Everton immediately back into the game within seven minutes of the second half start an Everton or level. Um, one of those comes from a David De Gea mistake. These are the intangibles, Kellen. These are the mental things. These are the things that are not about ability. These, because again, United 1-11 are better than Everton. So for Everton to, to close the gap, and Sheffield United to close the gap, they can only do that by outworking you. They can only do that by doing the intangibles, by doing the things that have nothing to do with ability. It has to do with mental strength. It has to do with all the things that if you get someone of lesser ability, how do you close the gap? With You have to work them. You have to do all the other things that you should come to expect from a professional footballer that would be there anyway. So United mentally don't respond to pressure really well. And I even said this when they were flying. The one thing that would concern me about this United team is how would they respond to being in a title challenge? I think they'd wobble because they still haven't shown that they're there yet mentally, that they trust themselves mentally, they trust themselves in big games. Uh, And I I think that um, it's a United team that could comfortably finish second, right? And it's also a United team that concerns me about how quickly they become satisfied with very little. You know, I think it was after the Leipzig game where Solskjaer said maybe the players took the food off the gas, but because... The the way they played against Leipzig and the win against Leipzig, it's a Champions League game. It was this, I think it was the second game of the group. Why are you satisfied with that? That's exactly what you should be doing. That shouldn't be. You need to send, send themselves. Oh, we're we're really big bollocks now. We, we we've won a big we've won a big game, so therefore we can start to switch off. Well, we haven't won anything. Nothing. So for me, uh, that, that's a concern. Where's your standards? You know. You should be a relentless winning machine. You should be looking at the likes of City and saying, we sh- we have enough ability to match them. Look, I don't think you need to go at City's level yet. right? I think you look at City's quality, you think you look at their center backs, magnificent. Right? Pep's got the best out of John Stones now, with he's got a good pair with Ruben Diaz. Okay? Diaz has been just a magnificent signing for them. Phil Foden... Is a player. I'm not, I would just absolutely love at Manchester. United. He'd be perfect for United. What a player that kid is! You know, technically superb. His movement, his balance, his thinking, his technique. He's just a superb football player. Just absolutely brilliant, right? Um, I would love him at United. And City have just got. You know, they've got too many good players like that. Well, United are still trying to find themselves. I still think this is United team that's missing for me three players. I still think uh, maybe four. But three, let's say three, right? I think if you had got another quality centre-back, right? Um, if they got another defensive midfielder uh, to replace Fred. I know it's a stand on Joe Callum, but it shouldn't be. Fred's good at the ugly things in the game, no question. But his shooting is absolutely woeful for a professional footballer. It is appalling, I mean, it is really, really dreadful that a guy can't control a football and hit the target ever. And any time anytime he does hit the target, you know, uh, uh, he takes that extra step and then he, he has to place it perfectly. But he, he's are a professional footballer, son. Why can you not hit a target? You should still be getting united at seven, eight goals a season, right? One goal against Wolves a couple of years ago, What's just not good enough. His passing still puts United in trouble, it still concerns me. These are the little things that add up in games. I mean we was watching them at the weekend against Everton, getting in good positions, scanning the ball, putting up, putting it over, putting it away, never troubling the goalkeeper, and you're going Ah that's where maybe a Dachlan race comes in. Where you know he gets you a couple of goals, creates, still very, very good on the ball. Right? That's a that to me is a position that United need to address, right? Because fred is okay when you're trying to get from fourth to second but when trying to get from second to first then you need to upgrade on that he's not good enough right maybe a good squad player but not good enough to start every week that's a concern um so center back and remember this is the spine of the team we're talking about here the center back position the the defensive midfield position and then i still feel you need another forward right We're like we talked about with the Rashford situation, someone that is very clinical, someone that's very direct, someone that causes you your heart attacks every time he scores goals, going to get get you double figures and get you double figures and assists. I think that is another player that you need because, again, Anthony Martial, he's 25, 25, 26, somewhere about that there. This is the prime of his career and we're still asking questions about Anthony Martial at 25, 26 that we're asking at 21, 22. He doesn't ever show that consistency, and if he isn't going to show it now, when are we going to see it? He's got amazing talent, amazing talent, right? But if you're not, you're not going to go to, if you're not going to show up against Sheffield United, when are you showing up for me, son? You know, don't be. And what's sad about this calm is we're almost forgetting about the fact that on Wednesday you need beat Southampton. No, you know, it's almost been immediately erased and forgotten about because of what happened at Everton. Uh, I want to talk about that in a minute, but. This Anthony Marshall needs to be more consistent. You cannot play for the top well, at Manchester United and have that level of consistency because you don't have enough goals in the rest of the team to cover for that. Um, you know, Cavani, what a f***ing player! i I'll i love him, Callum. I've I, I fallen in love with him. I love everything about him. I love his body language. I love his leadership. I love his movement. I love his goals. He's a, he's lethal. He's a he's he is. A consummate professional, a brilliant, brilliant signing. for United. United were pillared for sending him. I sincerely hope a lot of people who slated United, journalists and the like, have retracted that and said, what a signing. My only regret with Cavani is we didn't get him three or four years ago.
0: Spot on. Spot on. If you, if you imagine what it would have been like having him two or three years ago, then we could be talking about United being even closer than they are now. Um, Because his goals, his all-round movement, his encouragement for others within the team, similar to Bruno Fernandes, is is that of an elite footballer. Mm -hmm. In terms of the positions that you talked about there, you know I completely agree with you. I think you need a centre-back with pace alongside Maguire because Maguire has some very, very good attributes. There's no doubt in that, but he has some glaring areas of development and... I, I think at the ages at you're not going to be able to address the lack of pace, etc. At the ages at now, so you need to bring someone in to complement them, as Diaz has done with Stones, as you as you rightly mentioned. In terms of the holding midfield position, I, I agree with you in that as well, because the start at the weekend, and I know I've mentioned it in the show a few times. I promise you, I'm not a possession geek, and I'm not uh, obsessed with it. But I, I think in certain games, especially in a three-all draw with Everton, it's it's worthwhile mentioning. United had 62% possession, so you're talking almost about two-thirds possession in that match. Yeah, we score three goals and Everton score three. That just can't be right. You need Mm -hmm. to be more clinical. United created 14 clear-cut chances, five were on target. I'm sorry, but you have to be more clinical on that, and that's when we come to to the likes of Marcus Rashford, who who we've talked about, who Mm -hmm. is an exceptional talent. He gets into positions, he's got pace, he's got attributes that most players in the world of football would absolutely be desperate to have mm-hmm. but as you say when it comes to those situations where you need an ice cold finisher I find this from from yesterday who you know one-on-one eight nine times out of ten is going to put the ball in the back of the net he doesn't have that in his game yet and that's something that, that's badly needed because as great as Cavani is and as great as his movement is he can't do it all on his own and he needs to be picked out when, when he is available and uh, the right-sided player, as you've also mentioned, would would help that because I think if you've got someone that's direct, someone that can can reach the channel and, and start bringing balls and cutting them back, I think that's where Cavani comes into his own because he's always moving in and around the box. In the penalty box, he's someone who won't stand still um, and, and he won't give a defender a moment to, to rest in their laurels. And again, when it comes to a direct player, I totally understand that. In regards to sorry Phil, in yes, regards man. to the the Southampton game just to, to, I know you wanted to talk about that that was everything you wanted against Sheffield United you wanted to see a relentless team coming out not resting on the laurels um taking taking three points for granted they went on attack after attack they had some patient build up they had some mm-hmm. slightly more direct build up there was a variety to their game and that's what lacked against Sheffield United it was too one dimensional it was too one paced Sheffield United obviously went on to win the game and probably rightfully so in the end. But with Southampton, that's what a Man United team should be. You smell blood and you go for the kill. And that's the way all the top teams are. There's there's no top team in, in, in football that rests at 2-3-0 and thinks, right, we just leave it there. <laughs> mm-hmm. They go again and again and again. And you need to see more of that because, as I say, at the weekend, when you've got two-thirds possession, you have to do more than just have two more shots in target than your opposition, who have got a third of possession. That's not good enough because you let Everton, uh, and I say like Everton, who have got Calvert Lewin a striking in form, back into the game. Let's be honest with you. If you watched that first half, they they shouldn't have got back into the game. United should have stamped their dominance, stamped their authority, and like they did with uh, Southampton, went for the kill and tried to get the the third goal much earlier.
1: I also want to point out, Tom, uh, the disgraceful abuse that's being levelled at XL2NZB, I think this is uh, stating the obvious anyway, uh, first of all it's absolutely disgusting, uh, I think people can go too far at times and clearly racist abuse is way too far and it's truly unbelievable that Twitter have somehow come to the conclusion that using the monkey emoji is not racist which is just un- unbelievable to me. How is it not racist? It's been a racist epithet for years and it's very very clear what it's meant. I really genuinely feel so sorry for people that this is subjected They're subjected to this bullshit and have to deal with this and are being told that this is not racist and I, I- I don't know, I'm just a human being that wants a fair world, that wants everybody treated equal, that for me wants the the colour of your skin to be treated the same way as the colour of your hair, to be completely irrelevant, to have no, um, to to never be a thing to be used to denigrate anybody, it's completely irrelevant and uh, you know it's funny whenever a a white player plays poorly, the colour of his skin is never referenced. You know, it's never used uh, in pejorative terms. It's never something that is even thought of. You know, with Luke Shaw plays poorly. No one thinks of calling Luke Shaw a, a whitey. You know, it, it, it's just a disease in our society. It is just so disgusting. And the, the scumbags that do it. I mean, I, we've ranted about this before. You are utterly vile. And I want... Tarnish this football club to be calling yourself a Manchester United fan. Jesus, you're a disgrace, you're a total embarrassment. And I, I just I wonder who raises these people? No, I and you find that sometimes it's 13, 14 year old kids. And look at my 14 year old. If I ever caught him coming out with something like that, I would go I would go nuts. And I look at parents and I go, Why? Why? "Why? Why? This is this is something that they didn't just come up with yesterday. This is something that's tolerated in a household. This is something that is they've heard from their parents or their family, or whatever." I I just don't understand how human beings can reach this level of ignorance today. And to and and, and on the actual thing itself, Axel Two and ZB committed a free kick, miles away from the goal. It's a reasonable expectation at that point. The United would still defend the free kick and clear it. It's not his fault that they didn't. So it is ridiculous to blame Axel Two and to the utter scum that um, leveled these, 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 this type of abuse at, at him and other footballers. You are the scum of the earth. And I, I honestly hope that you get banned for life from social media and that you're shamed to such a degree that you realise that Nobody at this football club wants you any part of it. And how dare you? Um, I, I, I and on top of which, I don't remember David the hair skin color being referenced when he made a mistake. You know. Well, that's it. D-
0: and and what 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 drives me mad is it's archaic thinking. It's abhorrent thinking. And the thing that frustrates me is you get some people that. Um, look at certain movements and and, and players taking the knee, etc. and they say, oh, that shouldn't continue anymore or whatever. Something needs to change and it needs to change now. How can it make sense for you as an individual or whoever you are to abuse someone because of the colour of their skin? You think of Pele as one example. Pele is a black footballer and he is arguably the greatest footballer that ever played the game. I know people will mention Messi, Maradona, Ronaldo and others. Of course they will skin color does not make you any less of a human being it certainly doesn't make you any less of a footballer i've just mentioned Pele as i say who's who's a real pioneer for, for for the game worldwide whether you're in buenos aires or whether you're in in bath or england i mean for for me these people need to they need i was going to say they need a reality check they simply need education they need to understand the power of their words and the power of their emojis but while i'm here Twitter and other platforms need to know the power of emojis. You mentioned earlier, Phil, certain platforms saying that emojis aren't, aren't necessarily something that they can they can see as abuse. <laughs> I'm sorry, but if you're using certain emojis about certain animals and linking it to, to a human being, knowing the connotations of that, that is racial abuse and it has to be dealt with. Footballers, doctors, nurses, whoever you are in society, you should never be abused because of the job that you're doing. We all have an off day, Phil. You and I have spoken about mental health and our struggles. Sometimes you and I might record a show. Sometimes you and I and in in, in, in the jobs we do away from this might have an absolute shocker of a day. But we don't deserve to be levelled with personal abuse. We might get someone who works with us say, look, it's not your day today. What can we do to help you? It should be about support not abuse. Of course, sometimes you might give criticism to an individual and it might be something that's not easy to hear because you might be talking about an aspect of their game Mm -hmm. or an aspect of their job they need to improve on. But when you enter into any form of abuse, whether it's personal abuse, racist abuse, anything, then you've lost the argument and you've lost the plot completely. If you're a fan of a football club and you are racially abusing a player that plays for your football club, then you are an idiot. I don't understand why you would abuse anyone, even if they played for an opposition club. Of course not. But if they play for your football club and they play for the organisation, the the badge, the colours that you say you love and that you follow, why on earth would you lower yourself to such archaic, abhorrent stuff? If you've made that mistake, see it as an error, educate yourself, and please consider the bigger picture because your views, I'm sorry, are out of order they're not allowed and I'm I'm someone who loves free speech, I love people being allowed to have their say, but when it comes to racism and it comes to violent abuse, there is no place in society, no place in football, no place in broadcasting for that level of abuse. So if that's you, educate yourself and do it quickly.
1: Well, first of all, I've always been proud of the fact that United, culturally as a football club, had never tolerated this. So it's incumbent upon all of us as United fans to make sure other people know that there is zero tolerance for this. People behave according to um, the group. So if I'm in a particular group and I shout something that I know, the rest of the group are going to be intolerant of and livid. I'm not going to do it, right? I mean, let's say I'm in Manchester City's ground and I start shouting abuse at Manchester City players. I'm pretty confident that the people around me are going to take issue with that, right? Because we know that, hey, I'm in a group setting here and these fans, the people around me are not gonna to tolerate that term, that point of view, right? So people behave according to the group and they're confident that their behavior is not going to make them stand out. They're confident that it's consistent with the group. So it's incumbent upon United fans and everyone else for that matter, that the second it's done, these idiots are pointing they're, 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 they're illustrated illustrated to these idiots immediately. This is completely unacceptable. There is no tolerance for this amongst Manchester United fans. There's no tolerance for this anywhere. But it's something that we begin by policing ourselves. Okay. If you want to stamp this stuff out, forget about the authorities, forget about punishment. Okay. That all comes afterwards. For it to not happen at all, people have to understand and realise there's repercussions, immediate repercussions from those around them for doing it. And that's when it stops, calm. When, there no, when there's a culture of no tolerance. Whenever you're walking... I mean, if I'm walking down the street with a bunch of Celtic fans or a bunch of Rangers fans, right, and I start shouting, and I'm with Rangers fans, and I start singing, you know, The Fields of Athenrye. I'm fairly confident I'm going to get a punch in the mouth. Right? And if I'm walking down the street with Celtic fans and I start singing the Billy Boys, I'm fairly confident I'm going to get a punch in the mouth. Because I'm going to know that this group would be completely intolerant to that point of view. So therefore, I'm not going to do it. But if I feel like, you know what, a bunch of lads are going to be on board with this, I'm going to do it because it's going to be funny, it's going to be tolerated, then I do it. So it's important that the first level of policing on this comes from people themselves it comes from people saying no way we're not tolerating this absolutely not you can't pretend you didn't hear it you can't turn a blind eye to it you can't let's not not get involved no 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 okay i'm not saying you put your hands on someone i'm not saying you commit violence but i'm saying that these individuals need to know immediately that that is totally unacceptable that you will not tolerate that and there's no place for that So One
0: of the things you said on the show a few weeks ago, Phil, in regards to to footballers at clubs like Manchester United and Real Madrid, all the the elite clubs in the world, if you fail in your your performance on the pitch, the consequence is you get sold and you move on. Mm. The way I see the, the level of abuse that's on social media at the moment, there has to be a consequence for those actions because in my opinion, you are a failure of yourself mm-hmm. if you're loading yourself to abusing someone's the skin, yeah. their sexuality, their gender, whatever it yeah. may be. And there has to be an element of self-regulation. And again, that's where the education comes in. And that's where I think, I, I know that we, we, we all have this reaction of, right, we need to punish these people and get rid of them. The only problem with that is you can get rid of one account that's a, an egg on Twitter and they'll start another one up. I think we need to try and it's you can argue it's impossible, but we need to try and get to these people individually that's why twitter or facebook or whatever should have you have to put a real name or a passport or whatever it may be in so that you can be contacted because if you're saying these things mm-hmm. that are completely outlandish and outdated you should be able to you should be accountable for your actions and as well you need the opportunity to to educate yourself because in 2021 calling people names that have been around for hundreds of years and were important mm-hmm. back then calling them that now is just as i say it's a complete a complete and utter disgrace and it, it has to be dealt with and it has to be done now. We can't have a summit and plan to do it next year or the year after. We need to take action now and hopefully these big bodies that have the power, they have the revenue, as we've mentioned, can take the action that they, sh- that, that they should have done all along.
1: Now, I'm glad you also mentioned that uh, on today's society, we're all educated enough to know that this, uh, that this is totally unacceptable. Uh, and there's no collective use of it. There's nothing. There's no, uh, there's no context with which this is acceptable. Um, and, you know, I often hear this pathetic excuse from white people saying, but using the N-word, well, you know, they use it too. Well, yeah, there's a lot of things I call my wife in the bedroom. It doesn't mean you get to call them too, right? So it's none of your business what other people say to each other. Okay, so don't use do der use that as some type of excuse. And you know, why are you so desperate to use that word anyway? Of all the things you could use, why do you have to use that word? You now don't be looking for excuses to use it. Look for reasons to make sure that you don't use it so that you get it out of your lexicon so that you understand you have no right to address any human being that way, none. And to dehumanize them like that you know, this is a real serious problem and you also mentioned something now, Calum, that also needs to be can't be, to be mentioned as well. And I'm glad you mentioned it, sexuality. And I'm finish up on, on this, we'll move back on the United. <clears throat> I have an individual, I would never name them, who I share direct messages with. And this individual is gay. Lovely gay, lovely, lovely human being. Um, good looking lad, like most gay lads are. Um, you know, just a a total gentleman class human being, and uh, he has sadly said to me many times, I'm petrified, petrified of coming out. Never told my mum and dad they're all fed. all this stuff is heartbreaking, mate. And what I've said to him is, I am so sorry that we live in a world where you cannot talk about this, where you can't be open about this, where there's still a consequence to be paid for it, and the fact that there are still, we we talk about living in a tolerant society and all that there Um, but it's not that tolerant and it is something that will define you, if you come out and say it there's no question, and it requires bravery, and not everyone is okay with that and I think that we, we, when we live in a world where to me, I don't care where two human beings find love, I don't care I don't care if it's woman on woman, man on man I don't care, it is none of my business, in fact I love two people who find love whether they're the same sex or not I embrace, I love it, I think it's great I think, and I would also say that um, whether it's gay or bisexuality it's a lot more common than what people want to admit so um, I think that we all have to do better with this. We all have to create an environment where people are completely comfortable being themselves, be with their own identity. And we don't pass judgment because <clears throat> it's not about sexual preference. It's the way they're born. People are born this way. They don't choose to be this way. And so we're not, it's not about this is your sexual preference. No, 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 no. This is the only, only option right? And for me, Callum, I think it, it, it's difficult for me because I'm a layman here and I'm trying to choose the right words where I don't want to offend but the over- mass, overarching message was one of tolerance and love and you know my message to this individual was you are a beautiful human being, there is not a harder place you're a your masterpiece in the universe and there's not a single thing wrong with you, embrace who you are and hopefully someday in the future this is something that, again, is totally irrelevant. Where you choose, where you find love is irrelevant. And it's just, I just find it really, really sad that we still think that this is something to be sneered and laughed at, as if there's some type of moral high ground or moral superiority in being heterosexual. This is just ridiculous. And um, I think uh, there's going to be people listening to this from different cultures around the world that are still completely intolerant that might find this offensive. I'm sorry that if you find this offensive, but the problem is you, not me. It's you that needs to expand your consciousness and realize that you have no right whatsoever to pass judgment on anybody. And, you know, f- uh, and this, the pain that you cause by doing so is far greater than what it would cost you to be tolerant. So sorry, and I don't really want to pontificate and proselytize on here, but these are basic things that in 2021 we should not be having to even talk about um, anyway Calm, get back to United. sorry to go off on a tangent though folks but this is something that uh, really does sadden me to such a degree and I, you, you, when you deal with the people that are the victims of this it's very very difficult to reconcile this that this is still a thing in today's society uh, anyway get back to United, Calum Paul Pogba He's going to be out for a few weeks. Um, interesting that when he was injured at the weekend, he never brought on Fred, not Van der Beek. People saying this could be Van der Beek's opportunity. I still don't think so. I still don't think so is so going to turn to Van der Beek. I think there's a reason why he doesn't play him, and I don't think that reason goes away because Paul probably is injured. Such a blow for United though because he's been so good for them.
0: He has been so good. Uh, we've talked about in the show how. Um, since the turn of the year, he's been he's been exceptional. He's scored big goals. He has contributed when he's not scoring goals by being really good defensively. Something that's always been sort of pointed at him, and and, and, and he's been marked for it by certain pundits saying he's not aware of his position or or defensive mm-hmm. responsibility. But I think he's answered a lot of those questions in recent weeks, and it's just such a shame for him and United that, again as he as he picks up momentum as things start bubbling he gets another injury and he's out. Of course, it's, it's the nature of football And this season of all seasons when the, the schedule is so jam-packed as always, it can be it can be understandable to pick up these injuries. But to go on to, to, to Van de Beek, the, the, there is a reason, there has to be a reason why Solskjaer hasn't played him. And I, I, I agree. I don't think that's suddenly going to go away because Pog was injured and he's suddenly going to wake up tomorrow morning and think, right now, you're my man. I, I don't think it's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, as you say, will probably be, be a wee bit disappointed. Fred, you mentioned him earlier, as did I. He has to take this opportunity. In my opinion, McTominay has really taken the opportunities he's been given mm-hmm. in recent weeks. He's added goals to his game. He's shown that he's not just a holding player who plays side with passes. He's shown that he's got multiple facets to his game and he's someone who continues to develop under Raleigh and he deserves credit for that. My only thing I would say... And I know Fernandes is, is very key and, and he can unlock the door against any team. I just I just had much more confidence when you had Pogba and Bruno together in recent weeks that I worry if Fred and McTominay are playing um, consistently together in midfield, mm. you will lose something. You could argue that United have got some tough t- tough fixtures, so it's maybe going to add a wee bit more steel that maybe is, is something that is a positive. But as I say, I, I, you are going to lose something when Paul was not on the team, especially in current form. And whether you think he should leave in the summer, whether you're not been overly enamoured with his United career so far, there's no doubt he has immense talent. He showcased that in recent weeks, and I, for one, am absolutely gutted that he's going to miss a few weeks because, as I say, he's been bubbling at the right time.
1: Well, let me ask you something, calm. I've talked about players that I felt you know, should sign over the summer. Uh, I want to get your view because there's a lot of uh, debate about Harry Maguire. Is he a top centre-back, is he not? Uh, what's your take on him?
0: I think Harry Maguire has some some top attributes, but as I said earlier on, the attributes he's good at, he's he's, he's, he's commanding in the air, he's a very good physical presence, but he's he's not a centre half with pace who can afford to be playing playing in a side that plays a high line consistently unless he's got a centre back alongside him with ample recovery pace. Mm-hmm. Baye has that recovery pace, but has the issue where he can be slightly erratic. Lindelof it has been has been decent this season, but as we've both agreed. I don't think he's the man to to partner Maguire long-term because, as I say, I think you need something something extra alongside Harry Maguire. You need someone who has the attributes that he doesn't so that you can complement them together like Diaz and Stones are doing. In regards to him being an elite centre-half, Phil, I'm not going to sit here and and pretend that I think he is an out-and-out elite centre-back that most sides in world football would be absolutely desperate to take off United. I mean, Mm -hmm. you think of when the club had Ferdinand and Vidic, any club in the Premier League, any club in Europe would have said, "Right, we'll take one of them, if not both. I don't think you would see a lot of clubs absolutely desperate to take Harry Maguire from United at the elite level. But I don't think that necessarily makes him a bad player. I just think he is a footballer who who needs to be playing in a side that, that can mask his deficiencies. And I, and I know that sounds a really negative thing to say. But I think it's a, a, a. I think I'm just being realistic when I say that. I don't think Harry Maguire, if we if we spoke to him on here, would say he's got great recovery pace and he can afford to play a high line alongside a Lindelof. I think he would be honest and open enough to say, I know what I'm good at. I need someone alongside me to complement me, and I can then play and develop better as a whole from there. So United need to get a centre half to help him. If they can't get a centre half to compliment him, then longer term you do have a question, where do you go? But I think he's got a lot of unfair stick at times this season. The start of the season was awful for him, on and off the pitch. It was a situation that he seems like a guy who's quite shy. And I think being in the public spotlight, front and back page, day in, day out, on the news, I don't think that's something he and his family were entirely comfortable with. And I'll be honest with you, who would be? I think as an individual, I know I would... I would crumble under that pressure because of my personality. I don't think I would like that attention. So I can understand the frustrations that people have had with him at the start of the season. But overall, I think he's had a relatively solid season. I, I think he will maybe be pigeonholed by certain people who are looking for the scapegoat with the Sheffield United game, with mm. the Everton game. But I don't think you can you can point the blame all at Harry Maguire.
1: Well, I think people talk about, you know, can him deferred now and very smart. Those players don't exist anymore, Calum. I mean, you're talking about world-class centre-back. How many world-class centre-backs are there in world football right now? Not many.
0: That was spot on. <clears throat> I mean, you, you look at the situation with, with Liverpool. I mean, Virgil van mm-hmm. Dijk. I know he, he, I know he's injured, and a lot of people have talked about him being a real Rolls Royce of a player. This and that. He's out the Liverpool team, and you see such a marked difference. And it pains me to say it from a United perspective, but there aren't many Virgil van Dykes out there mm-hmm. in terms of centre half who you could go and recruit and make that immediate
1: difference is one man to be honest with you you're right when I mean, you're talking about Dale, up on McCann and everything and I'm not going to judge him on one or two games but when I saw him against guess in the Champions League he didn't exactly impress me I thought hey, he's alright even when I saw Koulibaly last season for Napoli I'm like eh, decent good not great you know Rafa Varane is a player you've looked at uh, very very interesting that he has changed the agents now and is being represented by base soccer in the UK and um, I think he would be a player you need know, to look at in the summer, but again you're talking about a big injury record. Um and again a good player, but you know, i I just look at this and go these are players that in previous generations wouldn't be considered world class centre backs, but there's just not many out there anymore. There's not many of that old fashioned hard nut centre back in the village, Ferdinand mold were for Ferd- you know the Ferdinand village were very very different defenders, and this is one of the things that you have to understand. Village was the whole physical hard man defender, where Ferdinand was the Rolls Royce. He was a ball player. He was quick. He was lightning. you never know, Lindelof and Maguire are very similar. This is where Bayi and Maguire, or Bayi Lindelof work well because they are they are also maybe a, a poor man's village and Ferdinand because Baye is very very quick. They're very different. Um, I think United suffer a little bit from that so that's a concern the other big question I want to ask you uh, we're running out of time here but the other question I want to ask you is um, David De Gea because United play West Ham tomorrow in the FA Cup I think this has come at a perfect time for Solskjaer because I think Henderson would have played anyway uh, in this game I think if you're Dean Henderson you've got to seize this opportunity this is why you stayed at Manchester United and I'm sure Solskjaer said to him if De Gea you know if if, if his form suffers drops, you get your chance this has to be his opportunity to step in and say this is my chance to take that number one shirt and De Gea he was poor against Sheffield United mate no question uh, even if that goal shouldn't have stood and the goal the, the, the mistake that he made at the weekend it it actually pains me because I I look at this guy who's given this club so much right who originated nothing? Who has been a snip? Been here a long time, but I just feel he's a guy that needs to move. I feel that he's a guy that needs to have his career uh, reignited. Uh, maybe he's got a bit stale, um, you know. But the hair has gone from saving you the points to costing them points. He's still got some amazing ability to put off last sh- some incredible saves, some shot stopping ability, but. They, t- I, 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 I'm, how many times are we looking at this going to here, to and I think if Dean Henderson doesn't get a chance now he's well entitled to ask Solskjaer, if not now when because I, I, as Solskjaer says he's not the most patient guy in the world he shouldn't be the most patient guy in the world he's a goalkeeper he sees himself as one of the top goalkeepers in the country the Euros is not a million miles away England are not exactly spoiled for choice a goalkeeper so if he can get a run between now and the end of the season you know, he could be playing the Euros this summer but um, and could also solve a big problem for United. He, he, I think he'll start against West Ham and has to see this as an opportunity for him to nail the shirt down.
0: He has to. You, you, you sum it up perfectly there, Phil. If you're so scared and you're Richard Hartis, our, our goalkeeping coach, you have to put your arm around Dean Henderson and you have to say to him, look son, I know you've been here, I know you've been chomping at the bit and you've been mm-hmm. in and out cup competitions. See, tomorrow this is your one big, big opportunity. Go in and make sure you claim that jersey. Because as you've said, he doesn't just have the carrot of playing as the number one goalkeeper for Man United, which is enough of a carrot. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it isn't, it's enough of a carrot. Mm -hmm. But you mentioned the fact it's a major tournament year this summer. Jordan Pickford's been in and out the Everton team. Mm -hmm. I don't quite think Gareth Southgate trusts Nick Pope completely. So for Henderson, if he can break in and become United's number one now, you could be talking, fast forward six months, you could be talking about United's undisputed number one, England's undisputed number one, and it could be the start of a glittering career for him where he gets to play week in, week out at the highest level for both club and country. That's all there for him to grasp and for him to take on and do everything in his power to achieve. And in a way, I actually think this opportunity coming around for Dean Henderson, the way it has, is perfect because you mentioned a key word earlier, Phil, and the word was mentality we're now going to see what Dean Henderson's made of. If he comes in tomorrow and has a good game and then gets the jersey again in the Premier League this week, we'll see what he's made of long-term. A goalkeeper who we both admire, who was at United many years ago, Ben Foster. Mm -hmm. Terrific guy, great goalkeeper, but just not at that level, I think, where he could sustain being United's goalkeeper week in, week out. Because, again... As good as you have to be talent-wise, you also have to be very good mentally. So many of the top players have told you and I and so many others over the years. So we're going to see an awful lot about Dean Henderson from now and the end of the season. If he can grasp this chance, not only in terms of his goalkeeping ability, which is undoubtedly there. We've seen it at Sheffield United. We've had the chance to see it on and off at United. So far, Man United, that is. So now, if he grasps the chance, we'll see what he's made of mentally. And good luck to him because football and society is all about opportunities coming at the right time. And for him, this could be the perfect moment
1: to seize your chance. Could couldn't agree more. And you're right, mate. Uh, I don't think Jordan Pickford is the right choice. I think if Henderson emerges, he could be uh, that number one. And, you know, you're quite right, Nick Pope, mate. Um, if he he shows great form between now and the end of the season, that Pope emergence could be a blessing for Guy Southgate. could be a real Hail Mary. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I've been with. Uh, I tried to be that in for ages, and it's shake but you have to give it to me. Uh, Muller, some other uh, news made this stuff for we go. Surely, short signed a new contract. launches now very, very exciting young player. Uh, Andy Mitten, he's one of the first ones credit to Andy from putting that out there. And uh, you know he scored a hat trick at the weekend. Also in that game, uh, uh, Troyori played really well. So did Hannibal Mabry. Very, very exciting. Excuse me, I see the emergence of those young kids. Uh, and so, surely Short has something that it really rate really, very, 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 very highly. Joe Huggle, of course, is uh, United's top goal scorer, another 23s. Hopefully, we get to see those kids out on loan next season at a much higher level uh, Jimmy Garner was exceptional for Forrest at the weekend which is very very exciting Heath Chong was improving at Bruges after getting released from getting that loan move cancelled at Werder And sometimes it's just about finding the right club, the right level uh, very exciting, some really really good young players but uh, Shola Shorthar and Diallo are training within its first team, uh, Solskjaer saying it shouldn't be long before we see Ahmad Diallo in that first team I wouldn't mind also seeing at some point Hannibal Mabry getting a wee snuff between that and the end of the season and uh, seeing what type, because I'll tell you something, he is just technically superb, very creative, very exciting. So, will um, be interesting to see if we see somebody in between that and the end of the season?
0: They certainly will be, and I think for, for United, they're in a good position in the league at the moment. I know the the race for top four, even for the likes of Man City, if you have a couple of bad results, you're in that mire. It could go on and on to, towards the last few games, but I would like to see these guys be given opportunities from the bench or to start towards the end of the season if United are in a slightly more comfortable position because you, you don't know how good a player is until they're given the opportunity. Um, you look at I'm looking at a young Scotsman at Chelsea. I know he's been out of the team recently with injuries, but young Billy Gilmore, a lot of people yeah. said when he left Glasgow Rangers to, to go to Chelsea, he won't get an opportunity. How many times have we seen a young player swap a team in Scotland for a, an elite side and not get a game? Lampard came in. because of an injury crisis, he put him in and he he was able to shine and people were talking about him potentially being a Scotland international very quickly. So I think for these kids, they need to continue to train with the first team, continue to play well for the under-23s, stay in the managers uh, train of thought. One thing I would credit Ole Gunnar Solskjaer for is, having been the United Reserve team manager in the past, he is aware of how important developing young players at Manchester Mm -hmm. United is and he takes a keen interest in it, which no disrespect to Jose Mourinho, he's been honest that other clubs he's been at, it's not something that's high up in, in his thought list necessarily on a weekly basis. So you've got a manager who believes in developing young players. He's shown the fact, he's shown that numerous times already that he's more than happy to to give you an opportunity if you're good enough. So for these kids, just as I said with Henderson, Phil, the carrot is there for you to keep playing yep. week in week out at the level you, you're playing at. You can only beat who's in front of you. Is aloe shown so far? If you keep doing that, the chance will come. And when the chance comes, grasp it with both hands. Mason Greenwood should be the poster boy for all those young kids to say, if I get my chance and take it, he
1: will trust me and he will give me chances. Completely agree, mate. Just want to finish up on two messages, uh, neither of which may be particularly popular, but nonetheless, they need to be said. First of all, when you're wrong about something, you hold your hands up and say you're wrong. And I did something last week that I regretted. I almost regretted it almost immediately. I had a bit of a public disagreement spot if you want to call it that, with Mark Goldbridge. Uh I know Mark divides opinion. We all debate opinion. Anyone who commentates on United divides opinion. That's part of what we do. Um, but he said something in relation to a tweet that I put out about promoting a Luke Shaw interview. And um, it bothered me. I covered it on our last week's show, so I'm not going to go into it too much. But the implication was that um, he doesn't get that type of content because he calls out the board and so therefore United hate him which to me implied that I have a quid pro quo with United and I don't call out the board and therefore I get that type of content which of course is completely wrong um, I've it's, it's cost me a lot personally to be a vocal critic of the board to be a vocal critic of the Glazers and um, some of which I'll, I'll touch on in a second but nonetheless I have Mark's number I should have dealt with it privately I shouldn't have done it publicly uh, I have a decent sized platform Um, 47,000, 48,000 followers, I don't know. Um, It's not as big as Mark's, but but nonetheless, it's a decent-sized platform, and everything that I say is amplified to a certain degree, and that means I should be a little bit more responsible about some of the things that I say. Um, I'm a human being, I make mistakes, uh, and um, I shouldn't have done this publicly, I should have done this privately, I should have spoke to Mark privately, he's apologized to me privately, I've accepted that apology, and i'm a big proponent of mental health um sometimes you forget about the impact words have on other individuals and you just never know what people are dealing with um and i felt in hindsight there was a better way of dealing with this so i apologize to mark for doing that publicly i shouldn't have and um it's something that i hope to learn from uh, and and again you know, it's something that i need to be better about so I also want to talk about something else that won't be popular. Um, as most of you know, I've been a vocal critic of the Glazers and Edward Woodward, extremely vocal critic. Um, uh, and I want to tell you exactly what it's cost me personally. Um, but I also want to say something else. When United were coming out to America, early two thousand, well, no, 2011-12, just after Fergie left. Um, of course, Edward Woodward. I had assumed the role of David Gill and um, I had just begun a relationship with United where I was covering a lot of the tours out here and what have you. And I'd had some dialogue with Edward back and forth uh, via email and he was always extremely pleasant to me, I must say, extremely, extremely nice to me. And he did something for me on numerous occasions that I will forever be grateful for. He invited me down to the United Hotel in LA and... Him and Phil Townsend. Phil Townsend who is another very 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 close friend of mine, I love Phil to death, um, still of course very good friends with Phil who Charlie Brooks has now assumed his role and Charlie is exceptional at his job. But um, <clears throat> Ed invited me down to the Manchester United Hotel, Ed invited me to numerous times down there and Opened doors for me at Manchester United that I never in a million years could have dreamed of. I'm I mean, a United fan just like everybody else. To have the opportunity to go down there and meet players and rub shoulders with these people was incredible for me. But it also happened at a time when I was on the floor mentally. I was battling addiction, uh, battling manic depression, um, severe grief and all the worst things you can imagine. And when he did that for me... It lifted me off the floor. It, it meant so much to me personally. And um, obviously, as I said, I'm, you know, I vehemently disagree with the ownership structure and what have you. And Ed knows this. And um, I've never been shy about letting him know my opinion. And um, But he's done, to be fair to him, being very, very good to me personally. When truthfully, he didn't have to be. I'm a nobody. you know. It cost him nothing to ignore me. But he didn't. And my coverage later on after that um, wasn't flattering of Ed and probably went too far at times. It cost me that relationship. Uh, I'm sure he was very hurt at the time. And At the the times after that with regards to the coverage. And I've thought about that a lot over the last year or two. As I mature in age, I think about the consequences of some of the incendiary comments that are made and think about his family, think about the attack on his home, he's got young kids, he's got a wife, he's got you know, family just like you and I do. I can't imagine how difficult it must be for them to read some of this. And I still think there's a lot of room to make your point and make your point strongly without it descending into personal abuse, without it descending into uh, personal allegations about people and encouraging violence and encouraging things that, quite frankly, once you do that, you lose your point, you lose the sympathy of the public and you basically, you lose the argument. And I think it's incumbent upon all of us to look at how we behave. We can all be angry at the Glazers, we, know, we all know that. Um, but I just think there's a way to make a point and I think we can all go too far at times. And I am sad that in a way a person who is very, very good to me probably feels personally hurt some of the coverage that I've given him and I am looking at trying to be better about making sure I make my point but in a way that is not incendiary that is not something that descends into personal abuse because I think that we all have to be very careful about that and I can't imagine how difficult it must be for him, to, for his family to read that. And also, like I said, for like, the Jesse Lingard's family to read stuff like that. You know, and other players who have to put up with this, they're human beings. There is no money you can make that stops you from being human. It stops you from being hurt by these types of comments that, um, quite frankly, go too far. And the attack on his home went way, way, way too far. So um, I do want to provide some context to the, the the allegation that I don't call out the board and it hasn't cost me anything, or it has, it's cost me a lot personally. Um, but to be fair, some of that I have to look at and think I can do a better job of making sure I'm responsible with my criticism, I'm responsible with my coverage, making sure that it doesn't descend into the gutter where truthfully you lose the argument at that point. Um, so... All of us folks going forward, we're all going through a tough time right now, all of us going forward, we have to think about the words that we use, especially on social media, especially with someone with big follower counts, that, that everything they say gets amplified. And, um, you know, I, I have to do a better job at that too. I won't, like I said, I will never agree with the Glazer ownership, I will never defend it. Um, but I still think there's a professional way to make your point, and at times I've been unprofessional. So, um Absolutely, and and one of the things I just want to say before we
0: go, Phil, um, this show's always had a really good following, um, the listening numbers are absolutely fantastic, and I'm very proud to be part of the show, I just want to place on record again, my sincere thanks to you for the, the opportunity to be on weekly, and for the listeners for their very kind um, messages, their very kind emails, I, I do read them all, I do try and get back to them all, but as Phil said before, you, you do get so many that it's hard to get back immediately, um, but if you've sent me a message, I will get back to you. Just just give me a wee bit of time, I promise I will. Mm-hmm. And I really do appreciate the support because without you guys as the listeners, as Phil said last week, then we wouldn't be able to to do this show. We wouldn't be able to share great interviews with Luke Shaw like like Phil shared um, last week because ultimately we need a listenership to, to help us grow and you've always been there for the show. And Phil, you've got an exceptional host with exceptional contacts and it's just a pleasure to be a part of this. So thank you once
1: again. I am honoured, kid. And uh, my apologies, folks, uh for uh, my wife just trying to FaceTime me there. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, right at the end of that. My eyes bled into it. But uh, thanks, Callum, and thanks, folks, for all the downloads and everything else. Very, very much appreciated. Right, uh, folks, we'll be back again uh, next week, of course. So after the West Brom game, hopefully they get a good result against West Ham tomorrow. And um, You and I can will be up again shortly here for another podcast that we've retweeted the link. So if you wanna, if you you haven't got tired of hearing from us, you can catch it in a little bit. (laughs) Man, all the best. I'll talk to you shortly. Take soon. See Uh, See you. Speak soon. See.